You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. My voice almost cracked right at the beginning time. Probably not a very good omen time. Then again, Tennessee, Georgia, the way it started wasn't the way it ended. So maybe that can be a bad thing for the Vols, but a good thing for this podcast time. I don't know. We'll see time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Monday afternoon. The uh, the fog perhaps just now lifting from Knoxville following the Vols' first loss of the year. Uh, pretty good first half for the Vols down in Athens, Georgia on Saturday. Not so much after that. A 21-17 halftime lead turned into a... 44 to 21 loss to the Georgia Bulldogs. Tennessee now moving on to face Kentucky in the battle for the beer barrel this week at Neyland Stadium. Gotta tell you, if you're uh, if you're struggling historically in your Tennessee, uh, Kentucky's the 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 right guy to to step into town that week. That's normally a good thing for Tennessee. We got plenty to talk about that. We're gonna wrap up uh, the Georgia game. We're gonna look forward to the Kentucky game. We're gonna talk about a lot of other things, and we're gonna start doing that by going to the Blunt County Satellite Office at Goval 24-7 down in Maryville to see Grant Ramey. What's up, Grant? Uh, you know, hanging out. Podcast, Monday afternoon. Just another day Usual. in paradise. Another day. Another day. Another day. The, the sky is not falling, I promise. It's just another day. It is just another day. And the Vols are still 2-1 uh, and one overall, I should say, ranked uh, 18th, I believe, in the AP poll, uh, listed uh, opening there at the William Hill Sportsbook as a 6.5-point favorite against Kentucky. Uh, tons to discuss from that game, and we'll do that. Uh, but before we do that, we probably need to go ahead and start putting a wrap on or a bow on some of the Georgia stuff, Grant. Um, I, we talked, and it was just, you know, Pat and I have just been doing some of the post-game pods lately, and so he and I were, were talked about the the game down there in Athens. He was the one who went down there. Normally we send everybody, but this year because of COVID, we, we send one on the road for now because that's kind of what the SEC is doing for the most part. So we send the beat writer, we send Pat, so we need his thoughts from the game itself. But I think we can get to everyone on a, on a day like today, on a regular pod. We're going to hear from you in the first segment. We're going to get to some of the other guys in the second segment. But Grant, what were your thoughts on that game? Because I know you and I had a couple of different thoughts on that game. Some of them in agreement, some of them maybe not so much. I still think Tennessee's a good football team. Uh, as bad as that second half was, as lopsided as it was, um, as dominant as Georgia was, I still think this Tennessee team has a lot of good football in front of it. You can't help the other team with 10 penalties for 84 yards. You can't turn the ball over three times in a quarter, especially when it's a close game and you're trying to uh, hang around in a game like that. You've got to clean up. you got to be a kind of the team they were for the first two weeks of the season where they played a much cleaner brand of football. Uh, you can't fail to communicate who the Mike linebacker is, like Jeremy Pruitt talked about some Monday during his um, press conference. You can't uh, have false stars the way they did. 
I think they're going to clean it up. I think this offensive line is going to figure it out eventually. They're struggling right now. Obviously, there's there's some guys in the defensive backfield that are struggling. Obviously, they got a lot of stuff to figure out. But I still think, bottom line, they're a good football team, uh, and they got good football ahead of them. The good news is you're not playing an elite Georgia team every single week. Yeah, I think there's one thought that that you know I thought about adding this in my column after the game Saturday, but it just went a different direction, and, and I didn't I didn't you know find a way to 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 make this this comment work in there, but. During that game, I when I saw those penalties, I I went back to to a segment. It was just a brief part of Vol calls last week, where you know the Jeremy Pruitt was talking with with the hosts and, and with Bob and those guys, and he was saying, you know, it, you know, people keep saying this team's only got three penalties in the first two games. Why well, it feels like the other teams, you know, declining a bunch because I don't I don't really see clean football, and it seems like that that kind of kept coming to my mind during the game because it seemed like Pruitt, you know, with the kind of camp they had, with the kind of players in and out, with some of the things they were going through, it, it kind of felt like they were they were doing yeoman's work really to to play relatively clean football the first couple of weeks in terms of penalties. And, and it seemed like Pruitt just kind of was worried the whole time about it's not as clean as it looks. I promise it's not as clean as it looks. Something, something's not right here. And then something just kind of the dam kind of burst against an opponent like that in that kind of a setting, and th- that's what I kept thinking was just that you know he he, he wasn't shocked by what he saw uh, is that maybe he saw some of it coming and 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 the thing that I that I think about Garantano is is this you know I I understand that that Garantano being the quarterback he he's going to get the heat I think we all know that it's it's something that that we've all gotten used to at this point really uh, but I'll say this when. Garantano has a has a funny knack for and funny's not the right word probably, but he has a knack for when when he implodes, like it it really, really looks bad. Like it looks like things happen in bunches, things go from from bad to worse, and things just kind of fall apart. I mean, this is something that we've seen for years now. It can't be dismissed. Uh, it, it has to be part of the discussion. That that is what it is with him. When things go bad, they go really, really bad. Uh, but I think if you really, if you want to put this by itself, kind of in in some some context here, go back and watch those three plays. On I think you could say for for all three of them, he was not the only person responsible for what happened. I think I think anyone can can admit that that's the case. Uh, I think going back and watching that, you can also you can also say that at least on one, maybe two of the three, he wasn't the main person responsible for what happened. I mean, a quarterback has to be protected for a couple of seconds. That has to be a given. Like, you know, you know, you have to uh, – linemen have to block the guys in front of them. Backs have to pick up and chip when they need to. There are other guys who need to do their job, not just him in that kind of situation. So um, – but I understand this frustration from Tennessee fans because we've seen it before. It's happened so many times <laughs> with this guy at quarterback – and that's going to come with there, – there's some connotation there. There's a meaning there. There is there, – there's a past there, and it has to be considered. And I think what's frustrating for some Tennessee fans is the realization that in their minds, either the quarterback can be fixed and this thing – this team can be really, really, really good right now, or um, the quarterback stays the same and it can't happen. And because people think, well, there's got to be a better option, right? There's got to be somebody out here who can do it better – and Pruitt's coming out and saying, guys, right now there's not. And that can be a painful thing as a fan to sit there and go, well, it's another year of being second rate at best. And that's a realization that you have to come to as a fan that it's, you know, if you want to beat a team like a Georgia or Bama with Garantano at quarterback, every, 
things have to go right. Everything's got to go right. You know, the he has to play well. The guys around him have to play well. The other team has to make some mistakes. Everything has to fall into place. And just just fixing the quarterback's not going to change that. And there are people who will say, well, this is his third, you know, this is Pruitt's third year. Have these guys not had the opportunity to recruit someone better than him who's ready to go out there and compete? And, well, maybe they haven't. I mean, maybe that's where they are right now. But that's, I understand the frustration, even if I don't understand the logic. I mean, Pruitt said it Monday. People say it all the time. Quarterbacks get too much blame when they lose. They get too much praise when they win. Um, the only turnover that I saw of those three where you can put some blame on him, I think, you have to eat that, that pass that ends up being intercepted. I don't know if that was second down or third down, whatever it was. You're already getting hit as you're throwing the ball. Just take the sack, go to the next possession or the next play. If it's a punt, punt it and hope you can keep Georgia back up, um, whatever. But I, I agree with you that I don't see a better option. That's not praising Jared Garantano. That's not a compliment to him. That's I don't know who you put in that game that's going to help you. I don't know if it's a hot take to say put Stetson Bennett in a Tennessee jersey and put Jared Garantano in a Georgia jersey. And I think there's a pretty similar outcome to that game because yeah. the difference in talent on the lines of scrimmage was that obvious. Uh, I, I, I don't know who you're putting at quarterback that's going to help you defeat that Georgia pass rush uh you got to fix the offensive line you gotta get them playing up to their potential they're not doing that obviously right now a lot of credit to that goes to georgia but still if jared garantano can be the guy that he was for the first two weeks where he accounts for 280 yards of offense and a couple touchdowns and doesn't turn the ball over that's fine that's who you want him to be if he's that guy you're going to have a chance against kentucky you're going to have a chance against auburn you're going to have a chance against a&m depending on which a&m team shows up you could have a chance against Florida based on what they did at a and I mean, Alabama, I thought they were going to be the, the next best defense that Tennessee faced besides Georgia, and then they gave up 600 yards to Ole Miss. I mean, they looked very, very human. Yeah, e- It's even, going to be hard to keep up with them. Even if Ole Miss was but, stealing signs, which Saban sort of maybe suggested, that's still no excuse right. for that many yards. It's still insanity. But I, I just don't – I mean, who are you putting in that's going to change that game? JT Shrout, you haven't seen anything from him over his career that makes you think – uh, he's going to do anything. Brian Meyer, maybe he's a little bit more mobile, but he takes care of the ball less uh, than Jared Garantano does based on what we saw last season. And Harrison Bailey clearly is not anywhere close to ready because he's taken snaps in what amounts to a JV scrimmage on a Sunday night after that game. And that's how they're trying to get those kind of guys, those reserve guys that didn't get their chances in the fall up to speed. So Jared Garantano is the answer, I think, for this team because they don't have any other answer that's good enough right now. And I think they he can play good enough to give them the chances in games that are winnable. Yeah, you have to, you know, even if you you get to this point where you have to say, okay, uh, Garantano is not a special player. He has some special physical toughness, you know. He, he, he's been resilient right. in terms of coming back after facing criticism and being benched and everything, and he's resilient. I mean, there's a lot of great characteristics that he has. You know, he works works his tail off. There's a lot of good things you can say about him. He's just not a special football player, and and I don't know that Tennessee has a special quarterback right now, um, at least in a game like that where you're going to be under duress the whole time. He's not a guy who kind of innovates or, or you know, kind of on the fly just kind of makes things happen. You know, that's not that's never really been his strength. So they don't have somebody I think right now who who's going to do that. That's their opinion and that's where they are right now. So you have to come to this realization that, okay, 
unless something crazy happens, Jarrett Garantano is going to be the quarterback of this football team. Get over that, get it through your head, and move on. Uh, because Jeremy Pruitt has showed time and time again the past few years, he is not he is playing the long game in that he's always doing things he thinks are going to help this program in the long run. What he's not doing is he is not going to sacrifice anything right now to make that happen. He, he, he is playing for the game in front of him. He's trying to win games right now. And I think you can make an argument that even if you know Garantano is not special, well, you win as much as you can, that helps you in recruiting, and then you can go get another quarterback who maybe can get you over the top. But it's just so easy to sit there and say that that he is the the main problem with his team right now when I just absolutely do not believe that is the case. Uh, you know, And I think one area where you and I did disagree, Grant, was talking about Tennessee's offensive line, talking about the difference in talent uh, between Tennessee's offensive line and Georgia's defensive line. I... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, at depth, certainly, you could maybe give that to them. And Georgia, don't take anything away from that. That is an absolutely elite defense. But Tennessee has recruited really well up front. Tennessee has got studs up front. Tennessee has got guys who I think will be paid good money for a while in the NFL to play the game. I think Tennessee's got some good things going on there. I think that group has to do more. I think that group is capable of doing more. You know, you look at Garantano and you say, well, maybe he is what he is. But that's not what that offensive line is. That group needs to be better than that, I think. They for sure have to be better than that. They they have too much talent to play poorly. And, you know, like you said, that's a lot of that credits to Georgia's defense and how good they're going to be, how good they already are, and how good they're going to be all season. Tennessee's got to find a, a situation or an answer at right tackle. Uh, they have to, K Mays, I don't think, can be your right tackle. He needs to be your right guard. I think he's, it's, yeah. it's much easier to see. You don't have to have a ton of football IQ to know he's a better guard than he is a tackle. Um, he struggled in past. It's not only against Georgia, but against Missouri as well a couple weeks ago. So you got to get a fig- something figured out at right tackle if that's uh, Darnell Wright or, or some other solution. Figure that out. Um, I don't know if this is something where they're still making up time from fall camp, where Wanya Morris was in contract tra- uh, tracing twice, and you know whatever they didn't have the the right combinations or whatever. They're still making up for lost time there. If they're still trying to get in football shape, which Pruitt talked about a little bit after the Missouri game with this offensive line, they got to figure it out. And I think they have enough time to figure it out. And I think they will. Um, but it's hard to go against that kind of Georgia front while you're still figuring it out and you're still moving guys around. Um, I think it starts with getting Cade Mays to guard and getting an answer at right tackle and go from there. And, and you're going to, you're going to be playing teams like Kentucky Auburn, uh, Vanderbilt's, the, you know, the other teams that are left here on the schedule, it's going to be a lot more like Missouri than it's going to be like Georgia. So I think there's a lot of opportunity ahead. They just got to get it fixed and they got to get it fixed uh, in a hurry because they can be a good football team. Yeah. One, one name that I keep getting back to, and, and I don't think any one guy who missed or was limited in Saturday's game would have made the difference in Tennessee winning that game. But I think you saw again in that game, how much Tennessee misses Jameer Johnson when he's not out there. I keep going back to that over the past couple of years. I've said it a lot of times. He is not the biggest offensive lineman, um, but he consistently, when he's out there, is one of the best that they've got. And I think if they need to get him healthy, uh, because I think some combination of him and Wanye Morris, are, is that's probably their best two offensive tackles. Now, who goes to the right when you do that? I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I, that's up for the coaches to decide. They're with those guys every day. But when you get Jameer Johnson back uh, and get him good to go, and, unless – 
unless I'm just missing something, it seems to me like Morris, and I know Wanya Morris missed a couple blocks in the game too. Nobody up front covered themselves in glory. Let's just call it what it is. But I think Morris, when you talk about just purely athletically, Morris and Johnson are their two best options at tackle, I think. They got to figure it out in a hurry because this is a team, you go back to the Missouri game, the formula they use there, run the football, uh, run it a lot, commit to it early and stick with it and shut the other team down offensively. That's their best formula to win games. We talked about Jared Garantano and how, you know, he's not a great football player, but he might be your best bet at quarterback just to keep you in games uh, and to, you know, use everything around him to win football games that are winnable. I think that's why you have to get this offensive line figured out because Tennessee's going to have to run the football. They're going to have to run it a lot. They're going to have to do it successfully. Uh, it's going to be a week in and week out thing. When you don't run the football, it's going to look like Georgia where you're forced to try to make plays. Uh, I don't know against Georgia why they went sideline to sideline so much when they had success vertically, but you can't rely on that pass game right now. You just can't rely on it consistently. You have to run the football. You have to go through Eric Gray and Todd Chandler, and that's why they got to get this offensive line figured out uh, as soon as possible. Yeah, and, and I think that, that that was a bit of a surprise because we said it going into the game several times that the best chance they've got to run the ball against Georgia is to go directly at Georgia and try to pop some big plays that way because if you try to get outside the tackle box and do some things there against that defense, I just the way they swarm, the athleticism, I just, I just don't think that's going to work. And I'm sure they had their reasons for doing what they did. They tried some misdirection stuff, tried to get going that way. Hey, you got to do what you got to do. I mean, nobody really runs the ball very well against that defense. But I really went into the game thinking I thought Tennessee could get 75 or 80 rushing yards. I really did. And I could not have been more wrong about that if I tried. So – uh, there's some answers that they got to figure out there. There's also some answers they got to figure out defensively, Grant. Before we get out of here for this first segment, I want to talk about that a little bit because you look at defensively what they tried to do in that game, and Pruitt said it several times. You can only, if you try to ask a guy to do something he's not capable of doing and he doesn't do it, that's your fault, not his. You have to put guys in positions where they can make plays. Uh, we saw some of that rush from Sean Sandberger. He made a couple of nice plays in coverage. He also got completely lost a couple times and and led to some 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 problems against the run and the pass. And then they ended up putting Theo Jackson in there. And then what happened? Theo Jackson just athletically got beat downfield by uh, Kyrus Jackson for a big play. So you know that the, they've got some things to figure out there. I still think that secondary can be okay. Um, the, the problem that I have is that I see the secondary getting better. Schamberger is going to get back in a groove and he'll be back to what he was I think if he stays healthy and focused and all that the question I have is can they do anything to stop these linebackers from just getting ripped apart in pass coverage because teams are going to do this I don't know if Kentucky's going to do this because that's not what Kentucky does but teams are going to try to spread the field and they're going to try to throw against those linebackers and that to me looks like it might be open all day every day until Tennessee fixes that bleeding yeah, they're going to have to grow up in a hurry at that spot. Obviously, Henry Toto is special. He's going to do what he's going to do week in and week out. Uh, but it's the other guys that are that are kind of liabilities right now. What's funny with the secondary, when we were talking about this team three weeks ago going into the season, what, what was the, the biggest strengths you pointed to? On defense, probably the secondary. Yeah. And on offense, probably the offensive line. Yep. And they got to get both of those figured out. And on offense, we talked about the offensive tackle. Well, on defense, it feels like it's that star position. Uh, because Sean Chamberger didn't play for the first two weeks, and you thought he's going to get back for Georgia, and you know he'll be fine, and Tennessee will be uh, shored up there a little bit defensively, and, and kind of get back to what they can do in the secondary. Uh, but the way you know he played at Georgia makes you wonder when's he going to be back to himself and somebody that you can rely on uh, defensively. I think you got to get the answers there. 
uh, first and foremost and be the secondary that I think you have the potential to be. And then you can kind of help your linebackers a little bit. The linebackers, you know, that, that situation kind of is what it is. They're, they're young, they're learning on the fly, uh, and they're trying to adapt, you know, against a, you know, an, an, an SEC schedule where there's no non-conference, there's no weeks off. It's, it's, it's all go all the time and you're going to have to grow up in a hurry and, and find a way to be productive. But I think it would, you know, they would be helped a ton if they could get the secondary figured out to where they're a little bit more short up and consistent back there behind them. Yeah, and I, I look at I look at those linebackers, and I, I I do see. I mean, even Toa Toa got got beaten up for a big play down the middle early in the game, and I mean that, that's just them them against the pass is not a great situation right now. And, and at the nickel spot too, pretty much anywhere down the middle of the field, they're just getting carved up. And and McCullough is playing better. Probably got robbed a little bit on that. That was a tough DPI call on him. That, that but that's going to happen. That was bang bang. Can't really fault the officials too much for that. Um, they got to get better there because I got to tell you, um, one humbling thing from this game. There's many humbling things from this game, uh, but one of them is that there are quarterbacks in this league with much, much better arm talent than Stetson Bennett. Uh, Bennett, he did what Georgia needed him to do. He managed the offense. He made a couple plays with his legs. Uh, he got him into the right play calls most of the time. Um, but he threw some absolute dying quails i mean he threw some balls that just were begging to be intercepted one time uh flowers just hey he goes up gets both hands on the ball comes down it pops out that's going to happen um one time bryce thompson i think would have had a pick if he hadn't been interfered with by pickens uh, who made a good play there on the perimeter uh it was the anti-water bottle moment that he had in the game was when, when he prevented the was when he prevented the the interception there um, but there were a couple other passes that bennett made that just they were wobbly they were not on target they were He's he's fine. He's 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 an SEC caliber quarterback. There, I'm not I'm not knocking him. I'm just saying they're going to face some more dynamic passers in this season, and those guys uh, won't have maybe the same running game around them, but they will have the ability to sit back there and throw darts. I mean, we saw Connor Bazelight do it. I mean, he he threw some absolute darts that that put Tennessee in trouble. Uh, some 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 of them were dimes against pretty good coverage actually. Uh, so that they've got to get some things short up there. I think they're going to stop the run okay. Uh, Georgia is what it is. It's a hell of a challenge to stop that running game, and Tennessee at least prevented Georgia from going bonkers, you know, on the run. So they were—I don't want to say mission accomplished, but okay, they did okay there. Uh, it, it was any time Georgia really needed to go back and throw the ball, and it could. That—that that to me was a huge problem, and that's something that, you know, Pruitt said there were three times in that game at least where they had the perfect third down call and it didn't get executed. He wasn't putting that on the players; he was putting it on himself, saying. Hey, we're their coaches. We got to get them in places where they can succeed. If they bust out there, we're their coaches. We're the ones still responsible for it. So, to me, that that's that that's that's them saying, "Listen, this is our responsibility. This is our fault in some ways, but we can fix this if these guys, if we can get them to do what we're telling them to do." Because the ability, I think, athletically is there. These coaches, we know they have the ability to coach on the back end. So I, I think that will get straightened out. It's just, you know, it's got to happen soon. Yeah, and I think the inconsistencies and the ups and downs are to be expected in a season like this. I think everybody's going to go through it um, a little bit. I, it's crazy to think you gave up 44 points and there was some times where your defense was pretty impressive. I was pretty impressed with some of the stops they had against Georgia, the way they yep. were able to limit them a lot. Uh, especially in the first half. There were a few broken plays, and, and Georgia did what it did. Um, but there were a lot of also penalties where Tennessee would bail out Georgia, 
on a third and long or, or second and long and, and set them up and help keep them on the field. So I think they will get it fixed. Um, but you're, you're exactly right about who they're facing as the schedule goes on. I mean, Alabama in a couple of weeks, you got Bo Nix with Auburn, uh, Kellen Mond with A&M, uh, Kyle Trask at Florida. Uh, I mean, you're, you're going to face some really good quarterbacks here. You got to figure, get it figured out in a hurry because that defense is going to want, it's going to have to keep you in the game while you're trying to run the football and put up as many points as you can. Yeah, there's a couple guys I'm looking at in this league. That that jitterbug that A&M has that plays everywhere, he's kind of a, a running back and a receiver in one. That guy is a problem. And mm-hmm. uh, and I look at what Florida's doing, and Kyle Pitts is, is great. He's going to do stuff against everybody. Tony, to me, looks like the guy who just if, – if Florida and Tennessee played right now, that guy – it might have like a 300-yard receiving game or something. I mean, I just the way that Tennessee's covering the middle of the field with guys like that, whew, that's 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 not a good that, – that would be bad. They got to get that figured out. Grant, last thing before I let you go, um, we go on to the second segment. Anything about Kentucky that stands out to you other than the fact that Kentucky once, uh, I think, like threw for 400 yards and lost and then – and then had a game where it had 150 yards of total offense and won. So good luck figuring out anything about this Kentucky team. Yeah, they're really hard to figure out. I don't know how you rush for 400 and lose in overtime at home uh, against an Ole Miss team that apparently has a pretty good offense because they they put up some gaudy yeah. numbers against Alabama like we talked about earlier. But, uh, I mean, I, I was pretty stunned looking at that box score from the Kentucky game. I knew, I mean, the Mississippi State game, I knew they had six interceptions. I didn't realize they had such little offensive production to lead to those uh, to those points, those 24 points they scored. Um, it, it feels a lot like Missouri where you better come out and you better stop the run and you better establish your run and you better go from there. You want to control the game. Uh, they've had some success against Kentucky under Jeremy Pruitt, obviously, the last couple of years. Uh, I think Kentucky was ranked 11th a couple of years ago and, and they came to the England Stadium and Tennessee handled them pretty good. And obviously that goal line stand up there last year. So uh, it feels what, – what sticks out to me the most is it feels like that Missouri game where you won that. You know, obviously they had success in South Carolina, but it felt like coming out of that game, you got to establish a run more. Uh, you got to cut down on mistakes. Uh, you got to, you know, commit to the run game, control the line of scrimmage, uh, and go from there. And I think that's kind of the recipe they need to get back to. Yeah, Kentucky's transformed its program under Stoops on the line of scrimmage. I, I think running the ball and against the run up front, they have done. I mean, because for years that's where you knew you could beat up Kentucky. There, you knew you could beat up Kentucky up front, and. That's not the case anymore. Those guys, that offensive line is good. That defensive line is good. Those linebackers are tough against the run. Uh, they've done a nice job kind of physically transforming that program. So there's going to be a lot to talk about. And we're going to talk a lot more about Kentucky uh, in the second segment here. But in the first segment, uh, we, we went through some technical glitches, Grant, but we got it done, and I'm proud of both of us. I think that we we deserve kudos for that, or kudos, as Philip Fulmer might say. <laughs> and uh, uh, your thoughts on that first segment, the, the technology? Uh, thanks, I think seven months of uh, – pandemic zoom usage zoom is finally like they're just tapping out they're like we're out of here yeah this is it let's yeah. go back to normal let's that. go back to in-face meetings so people can stop using our platform that's they're just tired of it it's a good point it's a good point guys we're gonna take a quick break and I'll pay some bills listen to uh some products and services and in-house ads and other fun things and we will be back uh, in just a second to talk more tennessee football here in the govals 24 7 podcast hashtag ad <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products and services and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Russ Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Uh, we're joined by Grant Ramey uh, from the satellite office of Go Vols 24-7 in Blount County down there in Maryville. We're going to be joined by Ryan Callahan in his second segment. Before we do that, though, I am going to ask you again, please go in there, guys. Please go in there. Take just a second. Hit the subscribe button on this podcast and rate and review this podcast. It's really easy to do, whether you're listening to us on uh, Apple Podcasts or you know in, on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeart, TuneIn, wherever uh, you can cast a fine pod, you can get the Go Boss Twenty Four Seven podcast. And we do this for free. We're happy to do it for free. It's no skin off our back. We we enjoy doing this for y'all. The one thing we ask though is that you can go in there and please hit hit the subscribe button. Please rate and review this podcast. There's nothing you can do that will help us more than that. So spread the word with some friends and family and uh, also go in there and do that because that that helps us, you know, how the how people find this. It helps people find it quicker, helps more Tennessee fans find it. I see every week the numbers are great. There are so many more people listening to this on a weekly basis. Uh, just every week it continues to grow without fail. So uh, we're happy uh, to do this. We're really happy that y'all are listening, but please go in there and take a second to rate and review this podcast. Now we can bring Ryan Callahan into this podcast. We didn't hear from Ryan after the game on Saturday. Also didn't hear from Grant Ramey after the game on Saturday, uh, but we heard from Ramey in the first segment and now we've got Ryan here. So Ryan, what's up, man? Hey Wes, how's it going, man? It goes, it goes. Uh, had some, had some hilarious tech issues with Ramey recording the first segment of this episode, but hopefully this one goes a little smoother. That way I can blame it on Ramey and we can move on. So uh, That's always the best, and and you know what? So far, so good. So yeah, crossed. And, and you know, maybe even if we do have a lot of tech issues, I'll just act like we didn't, and then I can still blame Ramey. So either yep. way, that's a that's a win win. But Ryan, you did something that uh, the rest of us did not uh, do today. You heard from uh, Jimmy Brumbaugh, Tennessee's defensive line coach, spoke at the the weekly meeting of the Knoxville Quarterback Club. Anything interesting come out of that in the wake of a Saturday second half debacle? Yeah, it was interesting hearing hearing from him. I, I don't think we've spoken with him yet. I was trying to remember trying to remember whether we got access to him during the preseason. I don't believe we did. Did we? I know we talked to Derek Ansley and uh, Jim Chaney and a few other assistants, but I don't think I remember him being one of them. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think I remember that either. So yeah, it, it was interesting hearing from him and getting his perspective um, after what was honestly I thought a, a pretty solid performance by Tennessee's defensive line. He didn't have a whole lot to uh, to really complained about with his group uh, talking with the, the Knoxville quarterback club virtually, of course, all those uh, meetings they're doing this year, uh, the coaches are being safe, not going over there in person, just talking via zoom. Uh, but they, uh, you know, they, they had some questions for him still, uh, but his, his group, it sounds like he's mostly satisfied there. You know, he, he talked about the, uh, the illegal chop block that took down Elijah Simmons for a little while there. You know, he said it was a really bad chop block and he was he pretty nasty. Finger. 
Yeah, and he had, he had his fingers crossed there, so commented on that briefly. Uh, talked a little bit about the development of some of his guys, um, and he was asked specifically about uh, which which defensive linemen are, are Tennessee's best run stopper and pass rusher, and said that uh, that you know point out Latrell Bumpus and uh, and, and and Matthew Butler, uh, a couple guys that obviously we've seen play a lot of football for Tennessee. Mentioned them as as being maybe Tennessee's best run stoppers. Pointed to Jay Blakely as as maybe the team's best pass rusher, just in terms of pure pass rush ability, being able to go off the edge when they need somebody uh, in that type of role. So uh, so hearing some of that was interesting. And then asked about a specific player, a young guy on Tennessee's roster, and he'd kind of touched on Amari Thomas briefly in passing, but asked about a young player or two that maybe has stood out to him. First thing that came to mind for him, Javante Spragans, the freshman offensive lineman. We've obviously mm. heard some good things about him. He's looked pretty good, gotten some playing time already. But uh, that's a name you hear continue to come up. Uh, a, lot, a lot of people impressed by him so far, and he said he thinks he's going to be a good football player in the future. I think that is interesting because he, he was – was he asked about the def, uh, defensive line and he gave an offensive lineman as a response? Well, that would be, that'd be well, really it, it interesting. Was, it was just sort of a vague question about you know just a, a young player or two that, that had caught his attention. And obviously he's only got a couple of freshmen in his group, uh, Dominic Bailey, who we didn't get to mention – and Omari Thomas, who, who got at least a passing reference in, uh, in, in discussing some of the guys on the defensive line earlier. And, and yeah, the first thing that popped out to him among the young guys, and maybe it's because he sees his group going against the offensive line so often, uh, but that's obviously one that, that came up for him and has continued to come up a little bit here and there throughout the, the preseason and now the season. That's interesting because, you know, Tennessee's still looking for for answers there at the offensive line. It's Although, you know, Spragans is another guy who's more of an interior lineman, whereas they're still trying to find offensive tackles. Uh, I think Jameer Johnson getting back will help them immensely if that can happen in the next couple of weeks. He's, in my opinion, clearly one of their two best offensive tackles. That's not the coaches speaking. That's not anyone else speaking. That, that's just me speaking. I think just watching film and stuff, uh, I think Johnson's a guy who who gives you a little more – a little bit better performance than some other guys up there, so we'll see if he gets back in the mix we, when he gets healthy. Go ahead. We need we need, we need a Wes Rucker's film film room session uh, podcast. Yeah, you or, don't or want me. You don't want me uh, going over offensive linemen there because, um, <laughs> especially interior offensive linemen. Now tackles, I can be like, yeah, that looks pretty good. No, that doesn't look very good. Uh, guards <laughs> and stuff, you know, because you got more pulling and you got more double teams there, and it, it's a little bit different when you're looking there. Um, but I, I think that that you know it's just Tennessee's having some major problems at right tackle right now still, uh, so we'll see if they can get that that straightened out. Um, but the defensive line, Ryan, because you were talking to Brumbaugh on Monday or heard from Brumbaugh on Monday, I, I think that group. And I said this to Ramey, I don't know that you would say mission accomplished necessarily against Georgia's running game, but I think you could say good enough. Uh, because I think White may not have that low a rushing total the rest of the season. And I know that a couple of his backs had about six, seven, six, six and a half yards to carry, whatever it was, some of the backups. Um, but but Georgia's running game did not completely take over that football game. And in fact, in short yardage situations, Georgia had to throw a play-action pass finally to get a goal-line touchdown because they tried mm-hmm. several other times to mash it through, and they couldn't do it. So I, I think in terms of um, – performances in that game that were at least good enough I think you know the front seven against the run I would say it was good enough I think the defensive backs helped against the run too I think rushing defense I think they're doing okay I mean and really you know 45 or whatever of Georgia's rushing yards came on that kind of misdirection play where I think it was Schamberger maybe who was the 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 nickel who or 
may have kind of gone the wrong way or bent on the fake, and somebody did. Somebody on the backside, maybe Schamberger. I don't want to say his name if I'm not sure, but it was somebody in that back end of the defense who just did not get his assignment at all on that play, and that really led to a, to a big breakdown. Um, but that was 45 or so of the yards, and Georgia had about you know just a little less than 200, I think. So they did okay in that area of the game. I think offensive wise, especially on the offensive line, uh, it's interesting because the two things we talked about as maybe the two best strengths of this team going into the season were the offensive line and the secondary. And that may have been the places where they lost that football game. That's, that's a good point. And that's, you know, we really thought the secondary was going to be the strength of this team. And that's, you know, three games into the year, I think you come away kind of scratching your head a little bit about that group. Uh, you know, health was kind of the concern the first couple games, you know, now you had both those, those uh, both of those guys back in this game, Schamberger and then, and then Bryce Thompson who'd been limited and even with you know kind of everybody out there for the first time, it didn't it didn't look especially sharp. You know, at least I, I don't think that group was bad, but they certainly weren't great. Um, so that that's a group that needs to play better if Tennessee's going to going to reach its full potential on defense. You know, I, I still came away from Saturday with the belief that you know they got put in some tough spots, and, and Jimmy Brumbaugh mentioned this too. You know, they they gave up a couple turnovers, some things. He, he mentioned that his group kept fighting. You know, they had some things that happened to them in the game the turnovers on their end of the field, they held Georgia the field goals after those first couple turnovers. So they, you know, even with their backs against the wall, the, the defense kind of answered. So I, I think this is a lot like the last couple defenses we've seen at Tennessee under Jeremy Pruitt. I, I think they're going to, you know, they're going to bend, but not break in some cases. They're not going to shut down uh, every team they see, but I think they're going to play mostly well enough to keep Tennessee in games. I think that's the side of the ball you worry about least when it comes to Tennessee still. I think the question is always going to be the offense at least as long as the quarterback situation is is what it is with Jarrett Garantano. Not that he's you know needing to be replaced, but that he's a guy that you don't know for sure against uh, against top competition, whether he's going to be able to sort of elevate them. And, and so that that's the side of the ball you still worry about more. But yeah, that offensive line obviously being the the concern or the talking point coming out of this last game, you know, I, I think we'll feel a little bit better about that group's outlook probably in the next couple of weeks. You know, maybe not after Alabama, but certainly after Kentucky you know, Arkansas after that game, you know, I think you'll see them fare better in games like that, especially it's not a perfect group. I think some people maybe got carried away about that offensive line during the off season with just the the possibility of, Oh my God, four or five stars in that group. They're going to be so good. There's a lot of talent up there, but to me, it's not fully formed talent yet. It's not fully developed talent with guys like Darnell Wright and Wanye Morris and Cade Mays, you know, bounced around last year on Georgia's offensive line. I don't think he graded out as well last year as he did during his freshman year at Georgia in part because he played just about everywhere on the offensive line and, and he's had a not normal off season that hasn't helped him. So, you know, a lot of reasons Trey Smith being banged up a lot of reasons that group maybe didn't play that well. So that maybe there's a little bit of a concern there for the rest of the season, but I think they will be okay. Secondary to me got, got to play a little bit better, but I think in general you feel okay about the defense going forward. Yeah. There's a couple guys uh, that I'm looking at the rest of the season who, uh, when you're talking about Tennessee and, and the the problems they're having right now covering at the nickel spot and the linebacker spot, any linebacker spot, anytime you can get uh, an isolated matchup one-on-one against one of Tennessee's linebackers right now, that's a problem for Tennessee. Uh, those yep. guys, uh, you, you know, and I think Georgia probably could have gone to the well more often on that and had more success. They just, you know, especially in the second half there, they got ahead. They were just kind of managing the game. They didn't have to do too much there. But there's a couple guys I'm looking at, uh, you know, before the end of the season here. Tennessee's got to play uh, Ania Smith there uh, for Texas A&M, the sophomore from uh, Sugarland, which is uh, where my father-in-law lives right there just outside of Houston. That guy is a wide receiver, running back. He's a problem 
he's going to be a problem for Tennessee. And uh, Tony uh, from Florida is going to be a hell of a problem for Tennessee because those guys, well, those guys are going to create – those guys could be matchup nightmares right now for, for Tennessee when you look at what's going on there at, at, at you know, kind of passing – kind of covering guys like that. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that, Wes. That's one thing I wanted to touch on with the defensive line and almost forgot. You know, Zamir White, he had 22 carries, what, 50 yards, something in that game. It was not his best day. But I, I felt like – and they're different style of backs. You know, you, you, you see this all the time these days that you always have sort of – or often have sort of a bigger back and then the more dynamic or versatile back that sometimes, depending on the game, can be more effective. So I, I, I don't necessarily read too much into that. But I, I thought Georgia's other backs, McIntosh, Kendall Milton – those guys really, really gashed Tennessee a little bit more. I thought they were more effective in this game, and I wonder how that rotation at Georgia goes the rest of the year. But I, I that that still is a little bit concerning because you know Tennessee's defensive line has shown, and, and they bounced back to their credit from a from a rough preseason. It sounds like to to play better and look a lot more like the group that we saw last year. So I think that's a good sign. But that group has been more about stopping you between the tackles. When a quick guy gets on the perimeter, this defense still has some things to prove in some cases. We've seen Toto especially get out sideline to sideline and make some nice plays in open field. But this group still has to show it can it can you know cover the field a little bit better with with the speed. I think guys like McIntosh, you know, really really showed that there's a potential if they face some speed guys in the future, they may give Tennessee's run defense a little bit of trouble. You know, and I think that this has nothing really to do with the defensive line, but I, I think when when Elante Taylor got knocked out of the game. Uh, he's yep. he's one of the better tackling cornerbacks I've seen. Uh, he is just a, I mean the way that he attacks, runs on the perimeter, the way that he gets guys on the ground. Um, you know he he's been a little inconsistent at times. We all know in pass coverage, um, but he's such a great athlete and he is such a willing and able willing and able tackler there at corner. Uh, I think getting him out of the game uh, really was a boost for Georgia in terms of getting some perimeter runs and things too. Because I think Taylor's a guy who who really helps them in run defense, and that's why. Even last season, you know, going into the Kentucky game, he had not been Tennessee's best cover corner by a million miles, but they started him in that game because they knew what Kentucky was doing and they knew they needed him. So, you know, he, he he's a guy that we'll see what's going on with him, make sure he's all right, but, you know, that that's something that's going to help them uh, to get him back on the field pretty much in every way because I think he's he's playing some some pretty decent football right now. Ryan, going moving on to Kentucky now, you know, Ramey and I talked about it a little bit in the first segment, but not much. I wanted to discuss it more with you um, because I think it was kind of a, an easier transition from what you and I were talking about to this. But when you look at Kentucky, I have a really hard time figuring out exactly what that team is because you throw for – or whatever, run for 400 yards and lose to Ole Miss. And then you have like 155 or 157 total yards from scrimmage and you beat Mississippi State. I I have a really hard time figuring out exactly what this Kentucky team is other than the fact that I know they're pretty good up front on both sides of the ball at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I, my guess right now, three games in, and I, I've mostly watched them when they played Auburn in the first game of the year, which was, was probably not their best moment, but at the same time, I think probably gives you a little bit of an idea of what, what you can expect in, in this game because Auburn is probably the most similar to Tennessee among those three teams. And I, I almost throw out the Ole Miss game because if we've seen Ole Miss and, and, and learned anything from them so far this season, it's that they're going to score some points on a lot of teams. I think that they, they've, they've shown their offense is pretty 
pr- pretty special. Uh, not not the best in the SEC, but it's it's pretty pretty high up there on the list. I think they're gonna they're gonna give some teams some trouble. And so the the, the points they scored against Kentucky, I don't I don't necessarily. And their defense is kind of bad on the same token. So that what Kentucky did offensively, you're probably not going to see them do that against Tennessee. Frankly, I just think Tennessee's defense will cause more problems for them. Uh, I, I think we're going to see a team much more like what we saw against Auburn, where Terry Wilson kind of gives and he takes away. He's going to make some make some mistakes, make some bad plays. Uh, you know that their run game is their bread and butter. And so this is a game that kind of plays into Tennessee's hands matchup wise, I think, because right now, as we kind of just talked about, you feel a little bit better, just like you always have under Jeremy Pruitt about Tennessee's run defense and their ability to, you know, when they, especially when they know an opponent is a little more one dimensional, they, they can slow that down. You know, they've done, they did a good job against that Kentucky team two years ago with Benny Snell and that group. And when they came into Neyland stadium as a favorite, Tennessee won that game by two touchdowns, you know? So I think this is a matchup that plays, pretty well into what Tennessee does defensively and, and especially with the secondary having some issues in pass coverage, probably a good, a good time to, to play Kentucky, get some confidence and uh, try to try to at least have re- reproduce the success they've had in the past against Kentucky. So not a bad matchup from that standpoint, but that's, that's my guess is that we're going to find out over the course of the season. Kentucky's a lot like it's been in past years, not a, not a great high powered passing game that they can consistently rely on. Still dangerous enough. You got to watch that. You got to watch that side of the ball. But uh, at the same time, the run game is what they do best. And I think Tennessee being able to key in on that a little bit more, I think, helps them prepare defensively. And I think they're pretty good when they get ready for a team that does what Kentucky does. Yeah. And, you know, I've said before that I think the Tennessee Georgia game may have been the first time I can ever remember covering a game where Tennessee did not take a single snap inside the opponent's red zone. I don't think that I've ever seen that before. Something else I'm not sure I've ever seen, uh, Kentucky beat, won an SEC game, but it only had 10 first downs in that win. 10 first downs in the game, which is just mind-boggling. Also had 157 total yards in the game. 73 yards passing on 8 of 21, and then rushing – 32 carries for 84 yards. That's about 2.5, 2.5, or 2.6 yards a carry there. That's that's rough. Uh, I don't know that I've ever seen a team have that kind of offensive output and win a game. Somebody could probably think of a time where it's happened. Off the top of my head, I can't really can't really think of it. And it's just it, it's another that it shows me though that Kentucky's done a couple things under Mark Stoops. Really, I mean Kentucky still finds comical ways to lose football games because that just is Kentucky and it's just hard to not do that when you're Kentucky because you've been doing that for a century or so but but the 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 personality of that team has changed you know it used to be Kentucky could throw for 400 yards in a game no problem they'd air it out um, but they couldn't stop anybody right and when they needed to run they couldn't run the ball now you're looking at a Kentucky team that I think on both lines of scrimmage looks every bit the bill of an SEC football team. They have done a tremendous job kind of changing the culture of that program up front. Those guys on both lines of scrimmage, they're good. They're good players. They're good college players, and a couple of them will be good NFL players. They've got some guys there that are going to give you problems. It's just that now when they've done that, they've almost completely lost the ability to beat you in the passing game, and it's it's like they can't have both at the same time. Yeah. And one one interesting note on, on Kentucky uh, – taking it back to Jimmy Brumball, the timing of his appearance at Knoxville quarterback club on Monday, obviously was interesting because he was at Kentucky just a few years ago, 2013 to 2016. He was uh, on the staff there and uh, worked under Mark Stoops. So 
Um, we've talked a lot about over the years, obviously, Tennessee's ties to Alabama and to Georgia. But now Tennessee has a couple of former Kentucky assistants, uh, a few actually, counting T. Martin, yep. um, but who certainly understand what Kentucky's done, uh, what they want to do under Mark Stoops. So that's at least something to keep in mind, maybe in terms of game preparation, that, that Tennessee's going to maybe have some insight there on what Kentucky wants to do uh, for, from those guys and their experience at Kentucky. Uh, but Brumball, having been at Kentucky, you know, he, he helped develop some of their, their really good pass rushers there as Darius Smith, Bud Dupree, uh, Josh Allen. Most recently, he, he signed him and developed him for his first couple of years. So he, he, he knows what, what Mark Stoops has done well. He, he knows uh, the challenge they face and, and how they've sort of rebuilt the, uh, the, the program and, and developed the toughness and character that they have now that's, that's uh, – you know, made Kentucky a, a tough out for anybody in the SEC from week to week. And, and, you know, he kind of equated that a little bit to what Tennessee's doing and uh, saying that, you know, he, he, uh, he believes Jeremy Pruitt's one of the best coaches he's been around in a long time. Um, but thought that was interesting and, and worth noting, at least for game prep. Uh, but yeah, Kentucky's offense, just not, uh, not, not an offense that puts a lot of fear in you, but at the same time, deceptively dangerous because there's, there's so much of a change up in some ways from what, uh, what you see a lot of times uh, last year, they certainly were with Lynn Bowden playing quarterback. That was, that was a very different look this year. Maybe not quite as, uh, quite as wild as that was, but still a team that's very capable of running the ball really well on you. And you don't see that a lot these days with so many teams throwing it well. So it's uh, it, it's a, it's an offense that can sort of lull you to sleep and really gas you for some big plays. If you're not ready. And if you're not gap sound and all those things, they're, they're capable of making you pay. So they do what they do pretty well. And, and Tennessee's got to be got to be strong up front in this game. It is a big test for Tennessee's defensive line. So uh, probably a good week to to have heard from Jimmy Brumball going into this game because his group needs to be pretty good Saturday for Tennessee to win. And if you're loose with the ball offensively, obviously they can make you pay for that. I mean, you you yep. you intercept six passes in one game, even against an air raid. That's that's a hell of an accomplishment. Six six picks in one game is just crazy. So. I mean, they've changed the, the identity of that program, the culture of it. I think they're probably much less enjoyable to play than they used to be um, because these guys can leave some bruises on you now. Um, but really, I, I think a lot of the story of this game is going to be, you know, where is Tennessee mentally after last weekend? Because, you know, this is a team that hadn't lost a game in almost a calendar year, I, I think, or, or thereabouts. And now – you know, because you start beating your chest a little bit, you start thinking, hey, let's go swim with the big boys now. Let's get this done. And then a big boy kind of puts one on you in the second half of a game, and you're sitting there tasting defeat for the first time in a year. How do you respond to that? You know, because you've been, you know, you, you've been punched in the gut. You've had the wind taken out of you a little bit. Now, what do you do? How do you respond to that? And I think we're going to learn a lot about this team this week. I, I agree. And, and not just that, you know, again, Kentucky, they're, they run the ball well and they're, they're pretty good defensively. One of the things I'll be interested in, you know, Tennessee's a pretty open book offensively in a way, in a lot of ways because Jarrett Garantano has been the quarterback for so long or so much of the past three and a half years uh, that, that people know how to prepare for him probably anyway. But if Georgia did, I mean, Georgia's defense does a lot of things that not many teams can duplicate, but if they learned any, if they exposed anything about Tennessee, there's some things Kentucky can maybe learn from that and, and apply to this week. Also, Kentucky's going to be a lot more confident, I think, coming off a performance like that. Even against the Mike Leach offense, so different from what Tennessee will throw at them, they're, they're going to be a more confident group than they were at 0-2. Plus, much like we saw with South Carolina in the season opener, this is you, you might see a pretty desperate Kentucky team because this is a game they really need to win. Uh, in this SEC-only season, teams like this, when they have an opportunity like this, and I think you have to view Tennessee as a game you, you – have a chance to win if you're sure, Kentucky. Sure, absolutely. They, 
They've still got Florida and Georgia left on the schedule. They've still got some tough games down the road, and they're already at one and two. So they lose this game. That the the possibilities for a for a 500 or better season are starting to look pretty slim. So uh, they they really need this game. So I, I think this is an important one for Kentucky, much like the South Carolina game was really important for the Gamecocks. This is one Kentucky really needs, and, and, and coming off that win, you know, I, I don't think you I think you overlook Kentucky at your own risk. I mean, this is a it's a team Tennessee should be expected to beat, yes, but. At the same time, if they don't show up ready to play, as we've seen a couple times in the past decade, this is a game Tennessee absolutely could lose. Uh, but if Tennessee shows up, this is normally a game Tennessee can take care of because, you know, and I've said this for years, uh, take what Tennessee does against Florida, multiply it by a factor of, I don't know, at least 10 or so, and then you've got what Kentucky does against Tennessee. Uh, it's just – it's remarkable some of, the, some of the mistakes that have happened over the years from, from Kentucky in this series – now you can't count on that. You can't go into a game assuming that's going to happen because when you do, that's when you get bit. But um, you know th- this is not this is not a terrible opponent for Tennessee to be playing this week. This is this is uh, I don't want to say it's like a comfort food opponent because I don't want to go that far. Um, but this feels like a game where if Tennessee does what it's supposed to do, it should win. It, it should, and I I think again the setup is good for Tennessee to to be able to bounce back. Uh, you know, I, we've seen it so many times over the years. I mean, look back at the last decade, and this has been a much more competitive series than it once was. Even going back to 2007 uh, and 2004, I think it was, you know, Kentucky had Tennessee on the ropes at Neyland Stadium one year and let Tennessee off the hook repeatedly, uh, and I think it was 04 to lose that game. 07, they took Tennessee to, what, four overtimes before they finally won the SEC East with that, with that win up there. So that, Kentucky's been putting up a pretty good fight against Tennessee off and on for a while now, but especially the past decade, it's been really competitive. But what were the two games Tennessee lost in this series during that time? The 2011 game when a, a group that was not particularly motivated to play in a bowl game at Tennessee didn't really show up ready to play and lost to a team with a wide receiver playing quarterback. And the 2017 team, a historically bad Tennessee team that, that was on the verge of getting Butch Jones fired and, and did a couple weeks later and you know, ended up winning – uh, no SEC games that year, the worst team in school history record-wise. So that's uh, that's what it's taken for Tennessee to lose to Kentucky over the years. So generally speaking, like you said, there's plenty of reason to think if, if Tennessee shows up ready to play, they'll win this game. But again, tough matchup in, in a lot of ways because Kentucky does some things differently and they play good defense. And anytime you face a team that can run it well and play good defense, if they do those things well against you, it causes some problems. You just got to get up on them early. That's the key. I think you get a team like this behind, make them throw it so you can kind of pin your ears back and come after come after the quarterback. That's that's a good recipe for, for beating a, a Kentucky team. You let them get ahead on you, it, it can cause some problems because they are tough when they're, uh, when they're running the ball well. And you know what? You could say the exact same thing about Tennessee. Yeah. If you, if you put Tennessee in a situation where it's going to have to throw the ball a lot to beat you, um, right now we're, we're seeing some mistakes are still going to happen when, when you do that. So it's interesting. I think I, I still think the story, at least to me, there's a lot of storylines going into every week. But for me this week, it's, it's the response Tennessee has. Where is Tennessee mentally? How much toughness, does, you know, resilience does it have? Uh, because the first time you kind of get punched like that and you lose for the first time in a while, how you respond to that says a lot about you. So I think we'll learn sort of there's some experience on this team. There's some veterans on this team. Uh, for instance, like you shouldn't, you shouldn't enjoy being around Trey Smith right now. You know, you, you, that shouldn't be a conversation you enjoy having uh, if you're if you're a Tennessee player. Like those those veterans, those guys, they you know they should be angry about this. And, and I think it'll be interesting to see how they respond. Ryan, anything else before I let you on out of here? 
Well, recruiting-wise, just uh, uh, worth noting, Amarius Amer- uh, Mims, a five-star offensive tackle from Georgia, announcing his decision on Wednesday. That'll be the next uh, the next thing to watch recruiting-wise. Uh, he was back at Georgia over the weekend. Uh, and, you know, all indications for a while there have been that Georgia's the favorite. Tennessee's done a really good job to make it close. You know, we'll see what happens down the stretch, but the crystal ball still – hundred percent Georgia right now. And, and we'll see if that, uh, if that shifts at all the next uh, 48 hours before his announcement, but I, I'd, I'd still maybe give Georgia the slight edge leading up to that one. But, uh, but Tennessee's done a good job to make that one interesting and obviously a, a big target of Tennessee's that will, uh, that will come off the board this week. Yeah. Tennessee's fought like hell for that one, but you know, sometimes, sometimes they just don't go your way. And I think they might be swimming upstream on that one. So kind of is what it is. Thanks for the time, Ryan. Appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Thanks Wes. And you know what guys, I think you know what's coming next, but thank you for listening. We appreciate it. We always do. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker, 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan's Ryan Callahan, 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown, 24-7 on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247, where we've got new content rolling out throughout the day. It's not just Tennessee news over there, but it's, it's mostly Tennessee news, and there's some other interesting things there for you know, for SEC fans, college sports fans, hoops fans, uh, Titans fans, things like that, Preds fans, Grizzlies fans, all kinds of good stuff on that page. Uh, but mostly balls there at facebook.com slash go balls 24 seven. Or if you want that delicious East Tennessee mountain spring water, just right from the tap, you can't take that Georgia. You can, you can win a game, but you can't take that. You can get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to discuss Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, baseball, Lady Vols coverage, where Maria Cornelius does an awesome job covering Lady Vols stuff for us. And you can go to the checkerboard right there, the forum we have on the community we have on our site. You can talk Tennessee all the time. You can also go to the Summit and talk women's sports all the time. All kinds of good stuff there. So go check it out, GoVols247.com. And if you pay us full price for a membership, if you are a full-paying member, you get free access to CBS All Access, which is CBS' streaming platform. You get every every show CBS has ever done, commercial-free, new movies in and out every month, live sports, SEC football, uh, college football. You know, you get uh, you get March Madness, college basketball. You get uh, World Series of Poker stuff. You get UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, which is really awesome. All kinds of good stuff there. And you also get stuff from the catalogs of uh, Smithsonian, uh, BET, MTV, Nickelodeon, Comedy Central, all kinds of good stuff there. So go check that out. GoBoss247.com. Pay us, and then uh, and then we'll give you a $100 annual value for free. No questions asked. $100 in your pocket. No questions asked. If nothing else, guys, you should hear from us by Thursday, I believe. Uh, yeah, Thursday, unless there's breaking news before then. Uh, but it's Tennessee, so you never know. And uh, if nothing else, guys, uh, stay safe out there. Uh, wear your mask. Be smart. We'll see you later. See you.